right there to our immediate left. We have uh, all the books gathering for the uh, annual Saxon concert. You've got people who really are into the occult and into Satan. They're propagating Satan, and I think it's a devastating thing. It calms me down. What's your favorite total pebble video? What about the Alice in Chains action figures? Yeah, I've been making some of me for the chicks. Who'd win in a wrestling match, Lemmy or God? Lemmy. Wrong, dickhead. Trick question. Lemmy is God. Such a fine line between stupid and, and clever. And we're gonna be at the Wilson Beer tonight with Slayer. You're gonna be there too, right? Oh! Uh. How'd you guys like that new intro? Fucking rips. Crushing bass. <laughs> <laughs> Crushing bass. It's a banger. Yeah. It slaps. It slaps. It's a banger. I'm, I'm here for this. For I'm there. Yeah, <laughs> you're here. Yeah. I'm here for it. Slapping banger. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. It's a s- slapping banger that I'm here for. <laughs> well, Not going to lie. On that note, <laughs> welcome to Somewhere in Time podcast. Welcome. 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 To Jurassic Park. <laughs> we're hope uh, you're feeling happy today and oh it's glorious late. it's probably a little punchy maybe no mm. hey. starting this one super late on the yep. east coast that's right if you're listening live i don't know <laughs> get the fuck out get out of here yeah more people <laughs> are exactly. zoom get out of here don't zoom bomb us <laughs> yeah um somewhere in time podcast.com is where you find us online Get to all of our good stuff there. Um, all of our episodes are streaming there. So all of our YouTube episodes are also there. So you can find us um, on YouTube as well. So this episode, we're talking about uh, the album Dirt by the band Alice in Chains. Let's start with the first song because it's fucking awesome. So, Alice Chains are Lane Staley on vocals and rhythm guitar on a couple songs. Uh, Jerry Cantrell on guitar and backing vocals. Mike Starr on bass and Sean Kenny on Sean drums. Sean Kenny. And who are we? Well, that's a good question. Oh. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> I know who I am. Do you know who you are? <laughs> I'm the king of the world. <laughs> uh, yes, introductions. I'm Eric. Tim is here. Yo. Joe's Hello. here. <laughs> Hi. Joe's here. Uh, and Keith is here. Guten Tag. Yeah, so back to Alice and James. Alice and James. This album is produced by Dave Jordan. Produced and mixed by Dave Jordan, who also did the first album, right? Yes, mm-hmm. he did. And he yes. also did Sound of White Noise by Anthrax. Hasn't come out yet, though. No, but... 
It does. That album does sound a lot like this album. Mm-hmm. Sonically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sonic. Sonically. <laughs> Sonically. This well, is, uh... that he actually the way he produced this. Uh, the I went through all the gear. That's one thing. I'm a bass player. I've played since I was in the seventh grade, and I'm not even sure I could tell you what my head is. Uh, the specifics on the gear used to get the sound oh, they were oh. doing and the way he tracks this. And I have the list of stuff here. I don't know if, you know, Eric, Joe, or Tim, if you even give a we're shit. Not, we're not gearheads. Exactly. I, like, I no. went through this and, like, like, it's going through the specifics as to why he used, like, this Bergen head. Like, and it, like the, the tracking is all, I don't, I don't get it. Let's go ahead and start from how this was being recorded because they got together in LA to record this album. Yeah. And that is when the LA riots broke out. Yeah. Yeah. Jerry Cantrell was literally buying beer in a supermarket when some guy busted in and started looting the place. Yeah. He went I back have to a, the studio. I have a little bit of I have a little bit of Jerry Cantrell talking about that if you want to hear it. Oh well, yeah, it's it's, it's here. We came to LA to record dirt and we uh, moved into to Jordan's studio and uh that was right about the time that the cops were on trial for the, you know, beating of Rodney King. And uh, we were all kind of watching the trial intently because, you know, we, we had a feeling of which way it was going to go. And it wasn't going to be good for the black community at all or Rodney King. And these guys were going to get off. If they did get off, um, it was going to be, it was going to be apocalyptic you know that's what we were we were all talking about it and thinking about it and sure as shit man that when that verdict came down and those cops got off within minutes you know the town started erupting you know and, and we started seeing fires and we started seeing people get pulled out of cars like on tv and this is like the first load-in day of like you know uh first or second day right at the very beginning of the recording process and uh like, man, we got to get the fuck out of here. You know, we were like in kind of like in the valley over on Lancashire and we were staying at the Oakwoods, which was out in Venice. So we still had, we had to go get us to either just either leave right there with what we have or go home and grab a few clothes and get out of town for a, for a bit because, because it, it was, the city was quickly devolving into uh, into a really dangerous place to be and, and you know people were rightly pissed off you know and and uh, but I remember us making that kind of conscious call and and we'd been we were hanging out with Tom Araya you know and we, we were like what, what, what do we do and, and I think somebody came up with the idea let's go out to Joshua, Joshua Tree in the desert until things cool down that's how that record started you know and then we went out went out to Joshua Tree and you know dropped acid and I think Tom had a couple of dry peyote tabs. I think we <laughs> took out there, <laughs> hung out for like four or five days. But that was the beginning of dirt. No, God. You imagine so, the first fuck when first fucking day. It's like yeah, loading uh, well, your one, one thing, uh, that's going down. Well, part of that interview, I believe, it might even be the same interview where where uh, it's described where as they're driving, you know, across town to get back to their hotel room, they are literally. In the traffic where people were getting pulled out of cars. Yeah. Who knows how close Jerry Cantrell was to being one of those random white guys that was yanked out like, hey, Blondie, guess who's going to eat curb? 
Yeah, he said that they were like, they stopped to get gas. And he's just like, you just, you're getting your gas. You don't look anywhere else. You let them do their thing. You get back in your car and you just go. Like, <laughs> and that's, he's like, we barely escaped it with our lives. Yeah, so. yeah. And they make it out there. And of course, then they're doing a whole lot of drugs to whole start the whole mindset of. <laughs> What, what, yeah, can you imagine? This, yeah, this, this album <laughs> for this album. Jeez, I can't <laughs> imagine. Did, did Lyrical content on this involved album. Involved in this one? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. The song Junkhead. What is that about? I have no idea. <laughs> well, let's let's get. I mean, them bones is about mortality. It's about the fact that kind of really morality and mortality. Uh, it's about the fact that as much as we're all involved in all the shit that we do, we're all going to die and eventually decompose into to a bunch of. Shit. Well, that sets the tone for the album. I mean, it's a pretty yeah. goddamn depressing album when you think about yeah. it. Like lyrically, it's like Jesus Christ. Yeah. And half <laughs> those guys are dead now too. Well, well, well yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, Mike and yeah. Wayne are both dead. Well, before we get to the the tricks, um, talk about the production a little bit because I, I think it it fits the album really well. Like it's you know, yes, dark, yeah. depressing, and you know, some of the drum sounds kind of dark <laughs> like yeah you know the guitar tone is perfect the distortion sounds great um you know. yeah from a, just an audiophile standpoint i guess it's not it's not crisp sounding but it fits exactly what it needs to do yeah i, I love you just said that you did not want to get into like the gearhead stuff and <laughs> what are you talking about i'm not talking about gear i'm talking about what what Hetty was using for the guitar sound i'm just saying <laughs> you know um the, the the sound is is fitting for the album. I feel yeah. like. Well, that's the um, Charvel Pro Mod SD One and Double H. <laughs> Ooh, I Charvel! Like really kind of. <laughs> I have a Charvel right there. Hey, <laughs> is that the right. is that the cake company? Charvel down my pants. <laughs> that's Carvel. It's Cookie Puss. <laughs> Cookie Puss. <laughs> Cookie Puss. <laughs> What's the whale? What was the whale? Uh, fudgy. Fudgy the fudgy whale. Oh, whale yeah. What was Cookie yeah. Puss then? Was he an octopus or something? No, he was just a, a cookie. Yeah, that, that had a puss. Uh. <laughs> Maybe he was. An, I hope he was an octopus. <laughs> I think I he really was. do. Get that puss off better. your face! <laughs> I don't want pussy cake. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think everyone loved eating it so much? God, <laughs> cookie pussy cake. <laughs> Why do they call it Cookie Pussy? I don't get it. I mean, it's close enough. <laughs> what are you doing with that Talk puss on your pussy. face? Exactly. So this next song is about overdosing on heroin. <laughs> cookie Pussy, I'm yeah. looking around, it doesn't look like anything. Like It's just a fucking upside down mm. cone or something. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Back to if just- only Lane Stanley had more Cookie Puss, maybe uh, things would have been a different. <laughs> all right we got off track sorry about that yeah um there was something about the guitar sound they it, i don't want to get into the gear of it but dave jordan did mix he blended three different amps yeah to get oh that my sound. gosh yeah and, and that's the one thing i don't i read one of these is a, what is it, a headphone amp and i don't understand what the fuck that even means i don't know it it says a you, bogner you fish preamp yeah a Bogner ex- ecstasy for the mid frequencies and a Bogner headphone no, amp. No, a Rockman headphone amp. Rockman? Yeah, oh, yeah. Like Ricky? It's, oh, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rockman right. headphone right. amp. Rock, sorry, I missed that. Developed by Tim Schultz. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of the band Boston. Yes. <laughs> that's the, that's oh. the thing that uh, Mustaine used for a while. Huh. Yeah. 
I don't know. I tuned out. I don't know. Once you got to that Rockman amp, I tuned out. Apparently, it adds compression, distortion, and echo and chorus. That's cool. I don't know what a lot of that is, but. It's that Boston guitar tone. That's interesting. Yeah, but it's better than the Boston guitar tone. Yeah, I'm just saying, obviously, they mixed it with some other sounds, but it's weird. Yeah. I'm going to try to hear. I'm I'm going to try to listen for it on the album. I mean, that's, that's the one thing. I mean, I, we all, I think, could agree when listening to this album that this thing fucking sounds insanely yeah. well. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, great. Yeah. you know, whatever this guy is, you know, figuring out how the fuck to do. Well, goddamn it, this guy. I mean, I have recorded five albums myself, and never once have I had a producer be like, "Okay, hold on." Well, actually, <laughs> one time I did have them be like, "No, you need to use this because of, uh, the, the tone." And you know, most of the time I just plug right into boards because I'm like, uh, I'm just going to do whatever yeah. the fuck's easy. Ain't time for that. <laughs> but one way or another, you know, if this guy went through the goddamn time to figure out, like, that headphone jack, I don't know how the fuck you figure that out, or how long it takes you to realize, like, wait, you, know, you don't need a Marshall stack, just plug into this headphone jack. <laughs> yeah, right. And there you <laughs> go, you got the sound. Marshall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently it, it worked for, you know, for this album, it works absolutely perfectly. So. Yeah. Well, that the, the musicianship on this album is ridiculous, right? Because it's like, yeah. Obviously, you have vocalists, one of the best vocalists yeah. out there ever. I mean, the, um, the funny thing you say that I always thought that Jerry Cantrell himself was a better vocalist than Zenith Lane Stanley. What? No. <laughs> yeah, no. I felt he had better range. I felt he, you know, Lane had kind of more of that that was, you know, grungy, you know. It was the it was the personality of the band, though. Yeah. I mean, you hear his vocals, and you're like, "That's Allison Chains." Yes, which that is, is very true. And yeah, if you don't I like just, it, well, then you don't like it. But if it's if you like it, then you're like, eh, I, "But for it's... me, back back you know back when I was getting into all of this, and let's face it, I was coming out of metal, and all of a sudden, alternative hit, and he, listening to it, you know, maybe it was because of my love of Joey Joey Belladonna. You know, Lane, and Lane has a fucking range that you, like, at facelift, you get that a few times. Oh, yeah, love, and, hey, and love. You get it, you get it here, too, but I mean, one way or another, like, you know, he, he definitely does more of kind of this low, seemingly purposefully, like, a little, Yeah. <laughs> if, that, if that sound effect means anything. Though, yeah. No, I know what you're saying, but <laughs> yeah. I think it, I think it goes along with the theme of the album, which is definitely. just, like, oh. depressive, dark, just, yeah. you know. The whole th- to me, this is al- it's not a, a conceptual album, but it does have like a theme throughout. It's actually semi, it's semi conceptual. It, it okay, is, well, I can yes. totally see that because yeah. yeah, the second half of it is is where they well, the second half of it and Sick Man are the concept. Uh, well, I can totally see. <laughs> we that. all know like what, the lyric- what the concept is. <laughs> well, yeah, like Junkhead and Godsmack are you know, it's almost like two different messages, but the same. The, exactly. The, the, the pretty much you know the I mean? second half of this album, you know, uh, the first half, well, let's face it, the second like, half of this album, which is, you know, Junkhead, Dirt, Godsmack, all three of those kind of tell its own story of a guy kind of starting to get into drugs, realizing this might not be a great idea. Right. You know, not being able to stop it, and Godsmack is where it all comes to shit. Now, Going further into that, you run into hate to feel an angry chair. Like the second side of this album, pretty much tells a story uh, that that you know, 
they should have thrown Sick Man on that side of it to, to add more to it, because it's the story of a guy who starts doing drugs, gets addicted to them, can't stop, thinks like, yeah, I need this, and I have to have this, and oh shit, I can't control this, and now I am worthless. Um, you know, depression. Which raises the question of, and I was going to bring this up when we got to the song, but I'll bring it up now, is Down in a Hole, on Spotify, and on the CD that I own, it's number four, track four. But I swear to God, when I had this album, when I listened to this album when I was younger, and I don't know if it was like a tape copy, but no, because Joe and I talked about this. It was not track four. Track four was always Sick Man. It always mm-hmm. went from Ray When I Die to Sick Man. And I don't know why. I got, you. On, on I got you, Eric. Okay, go ahead. On early U.S. and Canadian pressings, Down on a Hole appeared as track 12 between yeah. Angry Chair and Wood. Yeah. Yes. Current U.S. and Can- Canadian editions of the CD and vinyl has down have Down on the Hole as the fourth track. Um, which essentially it says were the band had originally intended it before the record company changed the order. So it's in the order, I guess, okay. they, they wanted it to be. Yeah, but I agree with you. I think it's, I don't think it sounds right to me now. I don't like it. <laughs> no, it's weird. It doesn't it make sense. It, it, that's but not that but now that Keith says that these out these songs have a theme, it makes me think, well, maybe that down in the hole was there for a reason because maybe like that's why he started getting the drugs. Like maybe down in the hole was his... Like that's except except for the fact that down in a hole is actually written by Jerry uh, about his long term girlfriend Courtney Clark. Okay, well never mind. So it, uh, <laughs> that one then doesn't have it. anything to do with drugs. Then fuck it, it belongs at the, at the end. <laughs> I like it better there too. It yeah. fits better there. Yeah, that's yeah. It's too early Absolutely. to have that like a ballad right there at number four. Yeah, it's, Although Metallica just, did all their ballads at number four, but you know, but this is a ballad, really slow, slow ballad. You, I feel like the album builds to that point. Yeah, that's why yeah. that's why it belongs there. It's like, and also I got so used to the end of Rain When I Die going right into Sick Man, and I'm well, like, well, that's, mm-hmm. what, that's yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, well, let's let's discuss that because Rain When I Die is considered to be well, Lane and Jerry both contributed to this one, and it was kind of written about their current interests, their love interests. This was a grunge love song for the most part. And each other, what? <laughs> No, the, the women that they were uh, at the time doinking, because doinking <laughs> is the most grunge word you could ever have. <laughs> but one way or another, so yes, "Rain When I" uh, or uh, "Rain When I Die" was a love song that they both were involved in writing to the women that they were with at the time. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. It's like that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, did she call I my mean, name? But it wasn't. But so. I mean, it, like a. Like, obviously, those relationships didn't go to... I, I would have to say it's kind of probably a little like... Uh, what was that, that Pearl Jam tune? Uh, uh, from 10. It's like one of the last ones on the album. Porch. No. Eddie Vedder. It, it's a... Half. Uh, not, is it, it black? <clears throat> black? No. It's definitely... Yeah. But we even talked about this. God damn it! <laughs> I think it's. I think it is black because you were saying that it's more like a breakup song than a. Yes, and it's a, yeah. It's the one like the like the last line is is you're the stars and someone else's. Oh, that's black. Yeah, 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 black. yeah, okay, yeah. black. Yeah. yeah, this is sort of like black, and the fact that it's not a it's not a love song, but uh, it's apparently that it was a, when they were composing it that they were thinking about the 
the women that they may have just broken up with or something or mm. something like that. Mm. Um, well, do we want to get, I mean, we're already talking about the track, so do we want to get into track by track here? Yeah. Well, do we want to play any of this stuff? I mean, uh, yeah, of course. Whoa, yeah. the tracks. We have to, <laughs> to do that, right? Got to do that. Yeah, of course. I mean, um, well, actually, let's talk about the album cover real quick because we, we forgot to do that last time. Oh, so. uh-huh, yeah. There's a whole thing about that. Oh, Is yeah. That okay. Well, I, I've What's seen that? I've seen some of the, the, the album cover. Um, oh. I've seen some of the behind the scenes of the, you know, the, the ph- photography of that. But uh, what's the story behind the album cover? I don't know the story behind the album cover. I mean, it's a cool album you, cover. You want to snag that, Tim? No, if you have the notes up, Keith, go ahead. I don't. I actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, hang on. <laughs> Neither does Tim, clearly. <laughs> no, I have them. Um, I just gotta dig them up. Hang on. Yeah, I mean it's a cool album cover. It's this is the orange. Well, well no, the, the big thing about right. it is, you know, it, the album is called Dirt. Um, they brought in this model uh, mm-hmm. to be, you know, that image, and you know, it's just showing her kind of decomposing. Uh, and apparently, she's the spitting image of Lane Stanley's current Stanley. girlfriend St- at Stanley. the time, Lane Staley's current girlfriend at the time. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. she was not fucking happy about it. And everyone <laughs> no. pretty much commented like, wow, he got his own woman to do that. And of course, th- that relationship, as you can imagine, didn't last. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> she yeah. she apparently was fucking pissed about this pretty <laughs> much forever. Wow. Wow. So did you uh, Man, have any other tell- notes on that, Tim? Can that you was tell how much she like, looks like anyone? She, it's kind I know. Of like, I mean, that's the whole thing. Like, looking at that, I can't even tell. It. Yeah, I, I mean, can't. You can I can tell, tell it's just a person. No, but it's ridiculous. They could well, be Mike no, Stark. One thing. way or another, like, like <laughs> there's comments There's comments I ran into, like, flat out being like, it is absolutely ridiculous how much that looks like. But maybe it's the model herself. I can't, like, I can't if you tell. look at the model and look at his girlfriend at the time no. that they look like, like. Because, yeah, looking at that image... There's no fucking way in hell I can tell. I mean, the nose is completely falling apart. You know. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It, it looks like when you they say there's life on or there's there's faces on Mars. Yeah, with the shadows. Sure, kind of looks like a face. That the girl on that cover, her name is Maria O'Brien. Mm. Apparently, as if you can tell, it's her. Yeah, right. it's like oh, sure. They didn't just kind of put sand together to make that. Okay, it's a model. Fine. Yeah. But apparently, whoever she, that is looked exactly like Lane's significant other at the time. And it, who knows? Maybe it was that they broke up right before that, which would explain, you know, Rain When I Die a little bit more. This but. is what uh, he said about it on, well, this is the quote on Wikipedia. He says, this album cover, I, re- I like to refer to it as Revenge. The song Dirt was written to a certain person who basically buried my ass. So the woman on the album cover is kind of the portrayal of that person being sucked down into the dirt instead of me. The picture is a spitting image of her, and that wasn't even planned. Actually, I was pretty angry about it when I first saw it. She's not happy about it either. It was real eerie. <laughs> so, Whoops. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, before we go to the tracks, do you guys have anything on Mike Starr? And because this was the last album to feature Mike Starr. Well, um, I mean, the big thing with Mike—I mean, let's face the biggest thing I'd say with 
you know, let's face it, the difference from facelift into this, and like all of the musicians, you know, talk about it. You know, things were, had changed a lot. You know, when facelift started, nobody used the word grunge. You know, when when that album was released, all of a sudden they were part of this thing. Jerry Cantrell, I believe, part of the interview that you were listening to earlier, mm-hmm. the comments during that, uh, how you know. It was an incredible thing to be a part of Seattle at that time. You know, we all knew we were part of something, that something was really happening. And yeah. you know, we had no idea what it was going to be or where it was going to go or, you know, who knows. But it was right. really kind of, you could feel it one way or another. When Faceless comes off, you know, they're all drinking heavy and everyone's having a good time. By the time they're doing dirt, you know, as we just heard about them heading out into the, the you know, Joshua Tree to fucking do a ton of drugs, they were all, you know, they all jumped into the, you know, sex drugs. Now, maybe not, sure, the sex, they were having girlfriends at least, but, you know, the whole sex, drugs, and rock and roll thing. And all these guys were, you know, jumped down the wrong rabbit hole. I mean, we all know what happened to Kurt Cobain. Uh, We all, at this point, know what happened to Lane Stanley. We know what happened to Mike Starr. Two of the members of this band at this time, you know, had started doing this, the the worst stuff you can get involved in, and yeah. they were not doing a good job of managing it. Um, yeah. And maybe be, not yet at this point were they not being able to manage it, but it was not soon after. Mike Starr specifically, uh, he ended up getting kicked out of the band in '93. Um, uh, they were in Brazil uh, playing a show and. Uh, well, before the show, they were backstage, and uh, he came to he like Lane was just just punching him in the face and punching him in the face. Jesus! And, and you know he, he just looks up and he's just like Lane, what, what the hell are you? What, what's wrong? What's wrong? And Lane is just in, just crying. He's just in a fit and he's still punching him. He's punching him, and Mike's like, "What the hell, man?" And he's like, "Mike, you've been dead for ten, uh, dead for eleven minutes." What? Because he overdosed. Oh my Mike God. had overdosed at the show. He had been he stopped breathing or whatever. He was laying there, you know. And apparently, Lane went and resuscitated him. Uh, I don't know how much CPR he knew or whatever, but Jesus. whatever the hell he did, whatever he did, he, it seemed as though he was, you know, comatose at least. Uh, and Lane no just idea. started like hitting him and beating the fuck out of him. Uh, another big thing about Mike Starr is Mike Starr was the last person to ever see Lane Stanley alive. Oh. Um, the two of them worked together at Lane's apartment doing drugs. Yeah. And something happened. Uh, like they got into an argument of things. And Mike Starr has, has stated that, you know, it's his greatest regret. You know, he got pissed off and he stood up and he stormed out. And Lane was yelling after him, no, man, no, no, not like this. Don't leave. Don't leave like this, man. No, don't. And he just walked. Mm. And, you know, uh, it's assumed nobody knows exactly when Lane died, but it was at least within a day of Mike Starr walking out of his apartment that he took his final dose and overdosed. Oof. Man, Man, that sucks. I don't know if do we want to get into Mike Starr as well at this point, considering we're down that road. Yeah, I mean, Mike I, Starr himself, you know, was on numerous uh, celebrity rehab shows with Yeah, I remember Doctor Drew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, right. um, they didn't work. No, I forget what year it was. Damn it, 
I didn't write down the note. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't what, did he did he passed away? Oh yeah, he died in it was 2008? 2011. 2011. 2011. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Of a prescription drug overdose. Yeah. Uh, Ironically, of all things, yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> I um, mean, yeah. he yes, but let's face it. Well, here's one thing to say: don't do drugs. But let, let's get into that because uh, the biggest <laughs> thing that pissed off Wayne, you know, when he wrote all these lyrics, you know. Pretty much as much as he's writing about his usage and how the fuck, how it's getting to the point where he can't manage it at all anymore. Like, that is specifically what he's talking about in, like, half of these songs. Yeah. So many of his fans would come up to him and be like, you know, trying to be like, let's go get high. I'm, I'm fucked up right now. And he would just be so enraged at himself because they're not getting it. He's right. not trying to celebrate drug usage. He's not trying to triumph it as being a good thing or something you should do. He's trying to give you a real-life autobiographical summary of how it is. And yeah, sure, it's drugs. Right. You're going yeah. to feel fucking fantastic <laughs> for a short period of time. But it's going to lead you into a, like an absolute hellhole that, you know... Yeah, a lot of these guys, you know, took a swan dive into. I mean, yeah. look, you know, Mike Starr, as I stated, you know, this man overdosed at the show in 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 down in Brazil, and he they kicked him out. They replaced him with uh, Mike Inez. Right. You know, they 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 actually had been touring with uh, uh, Ozzy. Ozzy Osbourne. Ozzy, yeah. During uh, uh, this album's or was it Facelift that they did that tour? Well, one way or another, they toured with Ozzy for a period of time. So that's how they got to become good friends with Mike. And as when they kicked Mike Starr out, you know, him coming in was just, you know, it wasn't even an issue. Uh, it was second thought. He, yeah. you know, it was in the middle of a tour, too, I believe, that, you know, right. Mike Starr was just like, you got to get the hell out, get home, get clean. And they brought Mike in, and that's it. He's been with the band ever since. Right, right. Uh, the big thing about the, their deaths is, you know, Jerry Cantrell at least has commented, you know, you know, let's face it. When you lose your singer, that changes how you sound more than anything else. Yeah. Uh, and it is very difficult in a situation like, say, Alice and Jane's to lose that and, and to try and continue. They obviously have done it because, you know, they've been sitting there. They were, you know, they were involved in some other things. Everyone was doing what they were doing. Eventually, you know, they started talking again. And eventually, you know, they've been going on for years. Um, God damn it, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that when they play, when they play right now, you know, they've been six, there have been six people in this band and they are all on stage every night. So, oh, okay. He's got yeah. kind of more of the positive, uh, you know, aspect or, or yeah. thought of it that, you know, as much as, yeah, sure, they can't go on without Lane. Well, Lane's still there every single fucking yeah. time they play, and, and so is Mike, for that matter. Well, here's a little clip of Jerry talking about Lane specifically. I've always been a fan of bands that have uh, multiple voices, you know, and uh, multiple lead singers, you know, people that can carry a tune and have a different palette you know it's something i always thought that was kind of cool about our band that maybe a lot of other the seattle bands didn't have so much i never really wanted to 
be a lead singer ever. I just wanted to play guitar, write songs, and sing backups. You know what I mean? And I, I, I partly just because it's a lot easier to do that. <laughs> and secondly, you know, we had Lane Staley. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need to be singing anything. He's got it covered, you know. Uh, I've still never heard anybody that sounds like him, and I never will. And it's really cool to have been in a band with him and to created the music that we did together. He had his own thing. There's no, he didn't sound like anybody, and nobody really sounds like him. And no, yeah, for sure. I still think he's like one of the best singers ever. I, in fact, I, listening to this album was like Chris Cornell. Well, it's, it's, are you reading my fucking mind? I was going to say, like, I was, I, I, I don't really compare this album to Bad Motorfinger, but I was thinking, I always go back and forth, like, who's my favorite Seattle band, right? Like, ah, it's probably Soundgarden. And I listen to this, I'm like, no, fuck, it's Alice in Chance. Because <laughs> like, yeah. this album is so fucking good. God. Oh, yeah. It's so good. Okay, well, we can go back to... Uh, Whoa, the tracks. <laughs> well... <laughs> the, well, let's actually go back to the tracks and let's actually go back to the first track because let's face it, the vocal that starts everything off. Yeah. That wasn't planned. That wasn't like part of the song or anything like that. No, really? Uh, yes. Like uh, they were uh, messing around and he, you know, kind of was just kind of warming up and did something like that. And what's his face? Jurgen, you know, he's just like, oh, uh, you know, let's see here. Oh, and here's another thing about the, the production. Um, he used a two 24-track machines. 16 of those tracks were used for Staley's vocal parts. Oh, my God. Wow. Like, How the hell? Like, 16 I remember, like, tracks? I read that, and I'm like, I don't even understand that. Like, he triple-tracked them. He sounded great. He knocked out his parts, and it's like, sure Jesus. he did, but, you know. He used an even-tied harmonizer. Whatever the hell, I mean... Yeah, I don't know what that well, is. Well, where do you plug that in? <laughs> no idea. I have no idea. Well, well this first song, I mean, it's like, there's like, what, like three riffs in this song? Maybe two riffs in this whole song? It's two yeah. and a half minutes long. Yeah. But it's still one of my favorite songs of the album. That's great. It's really? That's awesome. one of your favorites? Wow. Well, I mean, then again, is there a bad is a, song on this album? You this know? is a, probably a bold statement, no. but I think the first three songs of this album are the best, best song. Oh, you're <laughs> absolutely wrong. Yeah, that's not right. <laughs> it's the last three songs of this album that are the best. Yeah, uh, J- uh, Keith is right. I don't know. Well, I think "Damn This River," "Rain When I Die," "Them Bones." Like the album starts, like oh my god, the first three songs. I, the, al- Angry the entire Chairs. album, "Angry Chairs." Really, I mean, look, the entire album is really good. So I'm yeah. not going to argue with like, oh, you're wrong about you know your favorite song. I just think the first three songs are all fucking really good. Um, yeah, I yeah. Mean, I mean, they're all great. You, you, I mean, let's face it, but "Angry really- Chair." <laughs> I see that you say "Angry Chair" easily, hands down. Favorite Allison Chains song there is. Hate yeah. to feel, hate to feel. Oh is, no, really? Oh fuck you no. guys! I love that goddamn song. And no. uh, all right, let's. I love the to, riffs in that song. We're, 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 we're jumping forward to get to that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. face it. We all, we all, all of us were, um, you know, Beavis and Butthead fans. We all remember the Radiohead episode. All of a sudden, Creep comes on, and they're just like. Uh, uh, what's happening? Why are they doing this to us? Oh my god! And then all of a sudden, it happens. 
And they're like, oh my God, yes, <laughs> that is the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. And that is, that is how I am exactly when it comes to hate to feel. Those, that harmonic he does. Oh, yeah. It's just like, yes, dirt. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my yeah, yeah. God. It's like, that, <laughs> that, that those, oh. Well, Sorry. fuck it. If we're playing it, we're talking about it. I don't care jumping around. I don't mind jumping around. Right. So we can go. 55 seconds and hate to feel if you want. All right. Let's do it. My cake with my plate. Cookie puss. That's right. The funny thing about both, you know, I think Tim and I are on to this. Uh, Hate to Feel an Angry Chair were the two songs written only by Lane Stanley. Yeah. Oh, okay. And, uh, uh, yeah, and Cantrell was really proud of him. Oh, I mean, give me a break. They're both fucking proud. phenomenal. He was just proud of, of Staley for his... Yeah. His, his ability to write, yeah, and just the fact that he could write these riffs and write these songs. He's like, man, you've really improved as not only a guitar player, but a, a songwriter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. We've talked a lot about how one, one or so, some tracks will sound more like the future ones, like in the yeah. subsequent albums. Hate, hate to Feel sounds like it could have been on the next album. Yeah, yeah that's well. true. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Has that, whatever it is going on in there. It, yeah. I don't know how to explain it either. Me either. I don't know how it to explain it. Yeah. It feels like the next album. Yeah, no, yeah. I agree with that. Absolutely. Just I can tell you what I... I don't know which are the best songs now, but I can tell you which one I think is not the best. And it's purely due to radio play. Oh. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. It's Rooster. Rooster. Yeah. Rooster. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah. I still struggle to listen to that song. They just killed it. And I really liked it when the album came out, too. Well... The thing about this tune, which hmm. I don't know if you guys have listened to all the, the interviews as well, uh, yeah, that yeah. Is, is kind of nuts. All right. Jerry Cantrell, this is, you know, he wrote this entire thing. It's about his dad. Yeah. Well, his, his parents. I have some got, clips on this for sure. You, know, you want to play? You have anything to specific you want to use? Yeah, I have a, well, yeah. I'll play this and then you can fill in the blanks. Go, yeah, go. Yeah. Yeah. I remember writing iterate. that song. Uh, I was staying over at. Cornell's place at Susan Silver and, and Chris Cornell's house. They had a little guest room at their, at their place out in West Seattle. It's a little, tiny little room. It just had room for like a little bed. It was kind of like a converted closet, I think, but it had a window looking out at the water. And uh, I remember I stayed up all night, may even have taken acid or whatever that night. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure, but... But I remember, I remember staying up all night and writing that song, and I knew I was on to something really cool. And I wanted something kind of washy and watery sounding, you know, kind of Hendrixy almost, you know. And uh, and I was thinking about my dad, you know. Um, you know, like most kids, you know, uh, my folks got divorced when I was pretty young, and so my dad wasn't a big part of my teen years. And, you know, he was a... He was a he was a badass and a hard ass, you know. He was a army sergeant, so you know. Um, and I, but I didn't see a whole lot of him. So when my mother my mother had passed, he was my only parent left. And as you know, I was as I became a man, I started to realize that you know I can't be mad at him for you know 
can't be mad at him for like kid shit, you know, like every kid's mad at their dad for something, you know, or parents or whatever. And like, I started trying to think about putting myself in his shoes and like, you know, what he'd been through in his life and, and, you know, multiple tours of Nam and, and just where he came from and things that he had had to deal with. And I started asking myself, you know, would I have done any better? You know, could I have done any better? And I couldn't say yes. And so that was kind of a first little thing of me kind of putting myself in his shoes and trying to take the blame off of him and like uh, trying to make peace and, you know, uh, have a relationship with my dad again. Wow. Yep. It is. It's so crazy that, you know, there's that much positivity and listening and reading like a lot of what uh, Jerry has commented about uh, really the existence of the band is insanely good-hearted and positive. And, and, you know, for this song, I mean, he's talking about his father who's a Vietnam vet and, and that really, in, in reality, writing this song and coming to terms with things with his father, you know, the shooting of the video, that is actually his dad that is shown. Yeah. Um, yeah. It really kind of turned into a new relationship that they never really had in earlier years. Right. And he was yeah. able to kind of kind of build on that and actually you know, recreate his own family, you know, that, that never really had much. It's, it's, it's yeah. mind blowing. <laughs> yeah. That came well, from dirt. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It was a little Allegedly. more, he, yeah, a little more on it too, that he talked about with, yeah, obviously it's about you know, war and his father being a Vietnam vet, like you said, but he said that he, he gets a lot of, well, I'll just play what Jerry said about service members. Oh, and this starts with um, the demo of rooster. So there's a little bit of, Rooster demo in this too. Oh, cool. The vocals are a little bit different. cool song for a lot of reasons personally it was it was what i just described and then and then it actually happened you know like we started to become more pals and buddies and shit and, and over the years we've grown closer and closer you know we started a built a ranch together about 20 years ago and he's still living on it and running it in oklahoma and, and that song in particular means a lot to service members and their families because I'm a family member of a service member, so you know what I mean. So it's uh, it's kind of taken on a life of its own. So it's, I'm glad that that song, you know, has kind of had the impact that it has. I didn't intend for it to, other than it being a kind of a pathway for my dad and I to have a better relationship, which worked. There you go. That's cool. It, um, so even anyone else. About to say something. Nope. I was just going to say the lyrically, it's kind of an oddball on the album. Yeah. Yes. It's, 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 it doesn't. Like, it doesn't yeah, involve it drugs of, at all. Yeah, yeah. It breaks the pattern of of uh, yeah. It doesn't really fit yeah. the theme. Just one What's other on here? cool thing about Jerry, and let's just um, for any of you that have grown up in divorced families, uh, it's his stepfather 
was the one that really, uh, his mother was a musician, was a uh, organist. His stepfather was the one that uh, kind of brought home a guitar and handed it off to him for the very first oh, time. Nice. So as much as That's he, cool. you know, now redeveloped with his own dad, he uh, had that with his stepfather. I believe his stepfather died before his step before his real mother did. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's it's that song. It's probably, I mean, aside from the dumb Tom Araya song, it's probably the the worst song on the album. Um, I, I would, I don't know if I could say. I think I find it repetitive and. Kind of I mean, it's simple. First and foremost, the dumb Tom Araya song shouldn't even be considered. Yes, it is. No, nah, it's know, it's an intro into Hate to Feel. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I don't really count it. But um, <laughs> dumb Tom Araya. <laughs> well, that was the official title. Well, what it's is apparently it? it's called uh, Iron Gland. Right, yeah. I am Iron Gland. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know. I might say Sick Man might be the worst. Well, no, nah. I mean, I like that song. If you don't like the vocals on it, I guess. It I mean, be. I like that's the whole thing. I I don't know if I can say I. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm trying to juggle to figure out what would be the worst song on this album. I am probably Rooster, just because it doesn't really fit. I mean, it, it, it's way. a ballad. I mean, that's the thing. They wrote a fucking ballad about a Vietnam War veteran and like the <laughs> anguish that he goes through on a regular basis yeah. of no. still being alive. You know. But that at least makes more sense, you know, <laughs> being a part of this album. Yeah. Uh, well, damn that river. That's yeah, a fucking that awesome, awesome song. Oh yeah, that chorus. S- yeah. God. That, <laughs> oh. It's so heavy. God. Yeah. Drop C sharp because <laughs> they're down a half step and then they drop B. They always have really weird uh, riffs during the verses. Yeah. Not always, but a lot of times. Like, that's a weird riff. Really weird. Yeah. Is that just the that other riff, but higher up? Oh, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And me. I don't think the bass changes really. So He's palm muting it there. Yeah. Uh, I really like the solo in that song as well. Yes, I, I had yeah. that on my notes too. Yeah. yeah. I love the way it comes in. Yeah. Yeah. The second he's, a, he's another guy when he lets loose, he's really fucking good. Yeah.
really good. Yeah. And it goes right into Rain When I Die, which... God, well, Damn That River was apparently one. written about a fight between Sean and Jerry. Oh, really? Okay. Sean and Jerry. Interesting. Okay. Drummers there's, fighting? There's, there's, no, there's it can't happen. There's, there's more to it than just that, though. Uh, yeah, mm, yeah. It, says, it says Kenny broke a coffee table over Cantrell's head. Oh, my God. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's what it says. Jesus. I don't know. Sean Kenny was that uh, fucking drummers. Sean Kenny, yeah, wow. that crazy. All right, well. wow. <laughs> Fuck you! I'm gonna throw this coffee table at your head. Yeah, bam, bam. Jeez. We should write a song about that. You know, that <laughs> yeah. time you threw the coffee table at my head. Yeah, should write a song about that. <laughs> Remember that? It was a hoax. Right? <laughs> it's a hoax, right? So rain when I die. This chorus, oh my god! Uh-huh. The, his vocals. That, this is where I'm like, how can you not? How, he, uh, his voice is just fantastic. In song. So good. I think it's gonna rain. Oh, when I die. Three, four time signature. Hmm. Right? Or six, I eight, guess. Whatever. whatever. Yeah. I love that drum fill they did right there at the end, too. Mm hmm. Coming out of the chorus, yeah, oh, so good. Keith, I was gonna, this drummer's this drummer's pretty good too. <laughs> I was gonna ask because I know like the guitar solos and the guitar work on this album is awesome, and I know Sean Kenny's a good drummer, but like I was gonna ask if you have any specific examples or can like, cite why he's such a good drummer, Tim. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Well, I, not, not Tim, but <laughs> he's just another guy like. He's just locked in. You never. Yeah. You hear him live. He doesn't. He doesn't fuck around. You know. He's right. He's just. I don't know how to explain it. Really. Yeah. He's Tim, like, hopefully, can explain it better. I, you know. You said it. He's locked in. He, I, he. He's tasteful. He doesn't overdo it. And I really would like to stress that, you know, locking in as much as you know. Yes, it's good to do. You don't need to be extraordinarily talented in order to do it. You just need. Have tempo set in your head and fucking keep it. That's what a drummer's supposed to do. <laughs> hi hat, hi hat, the snare heard? drum. Just stick. Yeah. Have a two piece. You know, don't even have have a one piece snare drum. You know, strip down your sets. Though? You know, struggle. I mean, you look at Sean Kenny. You know, he did not have the Neil Pure. He's pretty tall. Like, kind of tall. Yeah. <laughs> he is tall, but he did not have. You know. Had a basic five piece, I take it, right? Yeah, yeah. It was small. It was actually he inspired Lars to downsize his kit because Lars played Sean Kinney's kit, and he was like, "I like this, not just the amount of drums, but the size of the drums." Because mm-hmm. you look at Lars's kit on like the Black Album tour, the drums are like the toms are like floor toms. Yeah, and look at look at his kit on the Load tour, and everything is is smaller, and there's fewer toms. Mm-hmm. 
that's because he met Sean Kenny and played his kid. He's like, I like this smaller feel. So Sean Kenny is six one. If anyone's curious, okay. Sean Kenny <laughs> does some crazy stuff with his hi hat. That's kind of very subtle, but it's yeah. weird. It's just, he hits there's these weird things. You're like, what? If you listen to that, it will get to wood. But there's stuff in wood where you're like, that's mm-hmm. really hard. What you're doing yeah. there is really hard. But yeah. it's nothing that people people wouldn't even know. You you wouldn't even know unless you kind of know. Well, hate to feel is a good example of that too. Because yeah. he does some weird like like this weird yeah. You know, well, sick man's got a very different drum feel to it as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, it's technical without sounding technical. I guess is what what I would say. Yeah. He's not as flashy as Matt Cameron, but yeah, uh, some yeah, pretty cool uh, shit too. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, way better than that drummer that's on ten. Well, yeah. <laughs> Wait, that was who was that? We that, figured that it was Mike. That was like Mike Abuzella or some. No, that wasn't him though. He didn't play that on, did he? Right, it wasn't Dave Abruzzi or whatever his name. It was, was some other guy. Right, it wasn't Jack Irons. It was no, it was just was. some dude. Just some dude. Was Dave Cruson, I think. Name. Was it Dave? Dave Cruson, I think his name was. Yeah. Yeah, Dave Cruson, I believe. Let me just double check that. Fact checking myself. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Dave Cruzan. Yeah, I didn't even know that until this podcast—not this podcast, but that episode of this podcast. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I don't hey, he remember that ha- from that podcast. So. Yeah, he was on. He was on Happy Pills by um, Candlebox, which is a fucking awesome album. Oh wow! Yeah. Well, All right, he redeemed himself. <laughs> <laughs> he calmed down a little bit. Yeah. All right. Um, back to this album, I guess. So, should we talk about? Down in a hole or sick man now because <laughs> I think that, well we should put down in a hole where it belongs. <laughs> yes, yeah. I agree. This I agree is with where you. it goes. Wait, you mean now? No, I'm saying the original tracking of the album, <laughs> okay. right from '92. Well, not this. Still ambiguous thing. when you say where it belongs. Yeah. Well, <laughs> where the we original think it tracking. Yeah, yeah, where it okay. was when right. we bought the album. Yeah, because listen, this is the way I always hear this album. Yeah, is because yeah. this album we bought. Okay, all, you guys bought it album. initially. But the day wow, came out, This is the way it's supposed to sound. Not according to the executives that really understand music. Mm-mm. See? And then That's, it goes right into that. You're right. Because I was listening to this, you know, for the first time, front to back in a long time, and I yeah. got to this, and I was like, wait, no, 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 no. why is that there? That doesn't yeah. make any sense. And I was shocked when I got my CD out. I was like, yeah, this must be a real issue. I gotta find mine. Like, Am I going crazy? <laughs> I was like that. I was like, this can't Is that be. a Baron Sting? Baron Sting Bears? Right, yeah. I'm sitting there like an idiot waiting <laughs> for a sick man. <laughs> It's also three four, right? It's a what? Is that three four time? Or oh. Six eight? Whatever. Yeah. It's six eight. <laughs> one of the two. Yeah. Pick one. <laughs> well, there's the only there would be a snare every other measure. Three four, so it's six eight. Oh, okay. I love this. Yeah. 
That was a weird hi-hat thing. It was. Yeah, there you go. Weird hi-hat thing. There you go. Yeah. He sneaks oh, him in there. There's this weird, this, that slow part of the song, that weird laughing thing. What the fuck is that? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, all right. The last chorus. Time, time I talk about, like, this song is, a, quote, written from a perspective of a man in the clutches of depression and drug abuse. Oh, well, particular yeah. song examines the horrific thoughts he experiences and his struggles to not let them overwhelm him. So that little laughter was absolutely intentional. Here it is. <laughs> yeah. That song, um, Sick Man, it says, came together after Staley asked Cantrell to write him the sickest tune, the sickest, darkest, most fucked up, and heaviest thing he could write. <laughs> really? Well, that's yeah. a heavy riff. Yeah. I think Angry Chair is heavier, but I guess uh, Staley wrote that riff anyway, so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we, I mean, one thing to say, you know, uh, like, the album is semi-conceptual, that there are two basic themes. The first theme is about dealing with kind of personal anguish and turmoil, which uh, turns into drugs. And I did not write down where I got, I got that it. quote from. But uh, if, you, if you're missing it, I got it. But go ahead. I like to, I like, I'm a history major. I like to quote my sources here, but... One way or another, you know, it's, it's like the first part is about anguish and despair and then obviously getting into drugs and then drugs, as much as they feel fucking fantastic, lead you into only a worst fucking hole. So. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why Down in a Hole belongs at the end of the album. Well, if it's not even about drugs. Then it it's a, yeah. Well, it's about relationships. <laughs> well, just, uh, hey, it hey, sounds <laughs> like, but just the feel of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I think it belongs there too. So yeah. Um, Junkhead, this, yeah. Well, we don't even need to talk about what this one's about. Yeah, it's pretty obvious. This has got to be the darkest song on the album, right? Just like I think this is my favorite. Really? Really? Yeah. So heavy right there. Yeah. Solo is fucking kick ass. I like the thing he does on the bass guitar and the chorus. I was gonna say that actually. The bass, the bass and the chorus is really good. Yeah. drums there. 
It's uh, I love that after the second chorus, this whole thing. Oh yeah. Right. I love that. The bass is really cool here too. Doing some really like cool runs. It's just a chorus basically. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That is a great song. Yeah. And I remember seeing them play that live on um in some some MTV thing. Yeah. It's even fucking heavier. Yeah. <laughs> Screaming even well, more. Is that not the I most like, impressive oh, thing about this? Because I got to see them at at Lollapalooza ninety three. They co headlined that with uh, Primus, and that was the last full length tour they ever did with Lane. Like they still oh, had wow. two EPs and an album that came out after this, and they played shows. They absolutely did play, you know. Well, but yeah, they, they were, never toured. Again. They were supposed Except to. They were supposed to tour with Metallica in '94, and they. And they couldn't. what happened? Oh. Um. <laughs> yes. They couldn't do that because. Lane. They yeah, there was a whole thing about that where they were like, "Well, we were coming back to L.A. from Europe to film a video, and we need to take some time off." And like they were covering up, but no, Lane was too fucked up. Lane, to tour, yes, basically. yes. And well, at least you got to see you know Candlebox. Or... <laughs> we did, yeah. And what, was it Candlebox um, and Suicidal? Right. Yes. Yeah, yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw. Well, I think I only saw a part of their show at. The uh, Clash of Titans. Yeah, we, like we came we in missed, late. We missed most of it because of Christopher. God, that happened twice to us, mm-hmm. motherfucker. We missed Faith <laughs> no asshole. more because of Christopher too. Yeah, he's an asshole. Um, all right. Well, it's the dirt is the next song and another one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. God, that opening riff. It's not a happy song. <laughs> it's not a happy. <laughs> Which one won this song. is happy? <laughs> no, it's not. This is the most violent after years. This is the most. Depressing song yeah. <laughs> ever written. <laughs> ever written. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you figure figure fucking cure so graphic. It's almost got like an Egyptian feel, right? Exactly. Yeah. Eastern. Yeah. reading these lyrics and the tone that you know what Keith was saying earlier that it was about his 
ex-girlfriend who was, you know, and just <laughs> one who doesn't care is one who shouldn't be. You shouldn't even be. <laughs> you shouldn't even live. Just don't even be. It's fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Um, he did a lot of heroin. <laughs> she probably did a lot of heroin too. Yeah. I mean, lyrics in the song are just like, holy shit, man. God yeah. damn. Yeah, I love that song though. I mean, the riffs are so good. God. Uh-huh. Um, and this goes right into Godsmack, which I wonder what that one's right about. Here, this song is a thousand times better than the band. I'm just gonna say that. The one thing that sucks about this song is the fact that a band wrote the name <laughs> of their band the off of this song. They ripped it off of it to be like, man, we, f- we figured they would have picked No, you're not. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> they would have been called Junkhead or Sick Man if it weren't for this song. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> probably. Yeah. I can actually see that. They probably would have been called Sick Man. Probably, yeah. <laughs> This, this was my favorite song for a long time, actually. <laughs> Sully man. I'm shocked that uh, Angry oh. Chair wasn't ever in your top three, even. They, I mean, th- there's so many. I mean, this album. Shocked. Is so good. No, it was. I, I don't know. I don't know. This, like you said, you just said it. This album was so good. I don't. Yeah. It's hard for me to pick a favorite. So, like. That one was mm-hmm. always head and shoulders for me. It's like, that is the one. Mm. Yeah. That's a great but, song. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. Which we're talking wrong. We're talking about Angry Chair. Okay. Well, I'm just saying. I, we're, yeah, we're, I'm just saying. He was saying Angry Chair is his top, his favorite. But yeah, yeah. that's all. Anyway, we're we're on Godsmack now. Yes. <laughs> the the vocal performance in the song is interesting. It's like that whole like vibrato. Okay. You know. And just for the listeners, okay, the song is called God Smack. Now, smack, if you weren't <laughs> aware, um, is another word that is used for the Illegal drug heroin. Okay. <laughs> so it's kind of il- like referencing that uh, a deity is like that substance. <laughs> Gee, just in case it was, was, you know, not yeah, on. Thank you for the explanation. That, uh, yeah. <laughs> we got the place around it, see? <laughs> it's Axel Rose all over again. I also love the chorus riff in the song. It's so yeah. weird. Like, weird, yeah. Just a wah weird. pedal, fluttering wah. What in God's name have you done? And the drums? And the drums, yeah. Anyway, no, yeah. God. You think I'll play the yeah? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is the second chorus, maybe. I thought it was the end. I guess the end, yeah. 
<laughs> then it goes into our favorite. Well, yeah, that's Keith's favorite. Apparently, this is well. Well, time out. Let's not do the, the goddamn worthless. I, I meant the Iron Glen. Oh, I skipped that one. I'm skipping that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't even it's think about pointless. You know. We can play more. Hate to feel. I do. I, do, I did read that it, um, the the song was it kind of came around because it was a note or like a chord Jerry would play to annoy yes. the other band members. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's true. That made me like it better. <laughs> I mean, to me, it, like, I mean, his vocal there is is flat out Black Sabbath, right? <clears throat> Wait, where are we now? Like his whole "I am Iron Gland." Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, it, it's Iron Man. Ob- yeah. yeah, right. But I mean, the music isn't right. No. Well, no, of course not. No. Uh, so, uh, "Angry Chair" weak. is the next song. Let's play. A yeah, we played "Hate to Feel" a little bit. So, "Angry Chair." Yeah, we can play a little language. No, let's there. play. Uh, no, 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 no. Play Angel Field. Get one. Can I play the solo in this one yet? I'll play the solo because I do think the solo is awesome. So. It's just blues. Straight up blues solo. The bass. I know. Yeah, it's yeah. just like both. Exactly. Yeah. The drums are awesome, too. Yeah. And that was those random Tom hits. What the hell? What the hell? Oh, come on. You can't (laughs) stop it there. You gotta... Please, man, give him a little give to play. Me. Let me hear. Let me, let me hear. All right, one more fine. Time. One more time. One more time. No to do something oh, like that. Oh, yeah, man. She's yeah, in man. my pants. <laughs> you know, that song kind of sounds like it would be on the next album. <laughs> repeating. Yeah. All right, Angry Chair. All right, Angry. Oh, we finally get to Tim's favorite. No. Yep. There's a part, this part, <laughs> I don't know why I didn't know what he said here, but I always thought he said, I'm a doughboy. I don't know why. <laughs> he says, I'm a doughboy. He's a doughboy. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you didn't realize it was dull. <laughs> I didn't know. I, th- I, I thought it mean, was like I, a shining. I'm reference. a dull boy. You know, it's like, how did that's? I don't. I don't know. Time, I didn't even read the lyrics, and I knew it was dull. <laughs> uh, I, I just thought "Field of Pain" is where I graze. I was like, oh god, yeah. mm-hmm. oh, damn. Yeah. yeah, he wasn't the happiest guy. <laughs> and the way it's. Did, um, you see any any info about the solo on this? I, you know, it's funny because I thought that I was like, "Is that maybe Lane Staley's playing the solo?" But no, what it's not. I, I remember, I remember in an interview in a magazine from back when the album came out that, and I, I, I was surprised I didn't see it referenced on any of the uh, pages, but on the or linked onto Wikipedia anywhere. But <clears throat> I guess he had been trying to do Jerry had been trying to do these solos for that song over and over and over. And then he just finally hit that take that ended up on the album. He, he was like, that's the worst fucking one yet. He's like, <laughs> he's like getting ready to do another one. And, and the rest of the band and the producer were like, no, that's it. We're going to fucking keep that one. <laughs> wow. what, it, it, it just, because it sounds weird, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like you said, I can see. You thought Lane played it, right? Yeah. I, I was like, maybe Lane played it because fuck it. It's weird. It doesn't sound like a, a Jerry Cantrell guitar solo. Yeah, no. He, he, he wasn't happy with it either. I'll play it. That part right there, if you yeah. keep going from there, that is the best part of the song. <laughs> he felt like he was behind the beat throughout the solo, and he was pissed off about it. No, keep it. Chorus is kind of pretty, and the rest of the mm-hmm. album, the rest of the song yeah. is pissed off. It's super cool. Yeah, and they had the most Matt Mahurney of all Matt Mahurn videos. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, it did. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, yeah. I, I I love that song, but I love like kind of the extra syllable thrown at the end, like the dun 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 dun. It's great. <laughs> that's 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 where I'm was like, oh, I mean, I get it. I don't like it that much you know well i still like it just not <laughs> enough too much that's why hate to feel is the best song in the album <laughs> <laughs> one thing about uh this band is they don't really like if they do something cool they do it throughout the whole, whole song you know like some bands will save a cool part for like the third verse or the right. chorus or something yeah. they're pretty much like okay pantera this, fan doing this the whole time <laughs> i don't get it isn't that the whole pantera thing like you know everybody holds off on that cool part what if we do the cool part the entire time right isn't that <laughs> maybe they were kind of famous for 
Sure. Doing well, Cantrell's friends with those guys. Yeah, he, yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, he, he was friends with them before fucking Phil was in the band, which is yeah. nuts. Before we go off, always their best stuff is always at the end of their songs. Yeah, yeah it was the best, best, best thing they did. Yeah. It was always the like yeah. uh, domination and yeah, or this love, or, primal concrete sledge. Yeah. Well, regardless uh, of that. Before we go off angry chair, Joe, you sent me this. I haven't, I have not seen this with, um, I was, I just read about that. This yeah. is, um, apparently Scott Weiland with, with singing, um, angry chair. Right? Yeah. Some shitty cell phone recording, but uh, yeah. why would fuckers do that? I don't know. <laughs> Cool. It's very cool. Uh, it's not surprising. Love well, it. it's not surprising that that guy sang that song. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Okay. <'Cause laughs> he, he copied. No, uh, copied no. Because no. he, yeah, he copied him by dying of heroin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, he suffered the exact same shit that fucking Ling went yeah. through. Mm-hmm. Only it was. <laughs> Uh, I mean, let's not even get into that guy. <laughs> Holy crap. We don't have to. No, we we <laughs> might run into doing one of their albums at some point. Uh, yeah. I think we will this year, actually. Yes, we will. Oh, is it that early? Core. Yeah. Core, yeah. Yeah. Please don't make Core. me do that. Core is 92. Oh, oh yeah. We're doing going to happen. F minus, motherfuckers. Well, oh. you can make us listen to The Cure or something then. Hi. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. no. You guys, rancid. no, worse, yeah. worse. We are doing the the episodes that I want to. We are having the industrial one, Nine Inch Nails, Ministry, and Skinny Fucking Puppy. The best Skinny oh, Puppy well, album. Nine Inch Nails, I have no problem with doing that. That's like no, one that's, of the best. We're doing, we're, we're doing Nine Inch Nails, we're doing Ministry, and we are doing Skinny Puppy. Sure. <laughs> Fuck it. Joe's calling out sick. Do it live. <laughs> we'll do it live. Fuck it. Fuck it. <laughs> All right. Down in a hole. All right. Um, yes. The proper placement of the song. Yeah. <laughs> a little overplayed, right? Yeah. It is. You Great think song. Down video in a Hole is overplayed? I know I don't talk about the videos much. But... It's overplayed on. I don't even on. remember that there was a video for it. It was. It was no rooster, but it was, it was played a lot. Yeah, yeah. it was played a lot. Oh. I think Angry Chair was played a lot back then, too. <clears throat> it's fine. Uh, well, I, I, but this uh, song okay. blows away Rooster, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This song is fantastic. Yes. You were talking about the lyric from, from uh, Angry Chair. I think the lyric in this song, I've eaten the sun so my tongue has been burned by of the taste. It's a yeah, fucking a awesome line. line. Yeah, that's great. God. I think the charismatic voice reacted to this song, actually. No, really? Yeah. Play some of it so the listeners can hear. 
<laughs> you've never heard this song, have you? Yeah, you've never heard this song. <laughs> it's so pretty. Minute and a half of playing there. Can't show off that in uh, his top three, his best or his favorite songs he's written. Mm. This is the only song where the uh, whole band gets writing credit. Oh, interesting. I like the only two credits for um, Mike Starr and Sean Kinney are on this song. Mm. That's the only what? Writing credits. I like the last chorus. I didn't really notice. I mean, I kind of noticed it, but you, you can, there's like a, Almost sounds like a mandolin. It might just be a second guitar part, but it's like this background little high pitched guitar thing going on. I didn't really notice it. I can't tell if it's a mandolin or. What is it? Sounds like a mandolin to me, but yeah. His solos are perfect. Yeah, I know. They're like yeah. mournful and sad, and it's like mm-hmm. perfect. Yep. Yep. And then we move on to the last song, Wood. Wood, which. Wasn't actually recorded within this Wood? session. It was Wood? recorded Wood? for a movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was recorded for singles. Yeah, yeah. singles. Yeah. Movie singles. Yep. And uh, mm-hmm. it got added on because of, well, let's face it, it its popularity, like everyone already heard it. They figured, hey, we throw it onto the end of this album. Yeah. We'll sell more because people went and saw that movie. And uh, yeah. you know what? It's yeah, They could put a... They could put a sticker on the front. Yes. There you go. Absolutely. <laughs> the song itself <laughs> yeah. uh, is written by, by Andy Wood. Jerry Cantrell about Andy Wood. Andy Wood. Yeah. How about you do you want to handle that one? Yeah, I have a little I have a little clip of him talking about it. Mm-hmm. So there you go. So Cameron Crowe was gonna do this movie uh, called Singles, and remember him asking me to write a song for it and I demoed a song called Wood. And I'd written a song for Andy Wood, who had just passed. So we went in to demo that song. But while we demoed that song, we had all these kind of acoustic tunes and like some stuff that would kind of go 
kind of develop into dirt, you know, as well. And uh, so we just demoed it all. We used the money to demo like, I don't know, like eight or nine songs. And then we gave Cameron his one and we kept the other ones, right? It was, it was different, you know, there, there was, there was like five or six songs, which basically we ended up later deciding to put together into the EP that ended up being Sap. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. The Sap part I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think, I think he goes into a little more detail on that, on that interview where he talks about how like, you know, they started writing this song, but then they had these other acoustic things and, it was, and it, he said it opened up an entire new world of writing for them. Like, just yeah. to be able to you know because like without sap you wouldn't have songs like down in a hole and yeah you know um you know songs on future albums that are a little more acoustic sounding so yeah um but yeah this song is it's a great song yeah a great song yeah it's, there's a weird thing in this song that's really it's deceptively hard on drums it's all he's doing is this hi-hat thing mm-hmm and but he's doing a lot of other stuff at the same time, and it's not—it's not a just a lot of times hi hat is just like you know you just pound it to the beat. And he's doing this thing where it's like it's kind of offbeat, and he doesn't mm-hmm. do it every single time. It's like one, two, one. And it's, it's if if you play the song, you'll hear it. And it's I can't it's impo- I can't do it. I'm like I don't know. <laughs> is it is it a hi hat with his stick or is he just it's his foot his foot his foot's doing it. It's impossible. It's just <laughs> already it's hard as shit. It's just that, for some reason, that is really hard. Oh, yeah, I hear what you're saying. It's just, it's only, he's only hitting on the certain beats. Oh, it's... Ooh, a vibra slap. Yeah. yeah. Now it's easy, but that one's hard. China. Yeah. Of course, I have to play the end with a Am I Gone? Oh, it's so good. Yeah. The drum the, the whole uh, part of it. So awesome. I mean, when we, we might all think that this is the best song on the album if it wasn't so over fucking play. <laughs> Possibly. That riff is awesome, too. Yeah. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> yeah. That song has been covered. Well, that song has been sung by James Hetfield. And Phil Anselmo. And Phil Anselmo, yes. Yeah. With Alice in Chains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can't hit the notes. No. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, I Why are you even trying? <laughs> Anselmo's worse than Hetfield, I'd say. But uh, yeah. neither of them can really do it. It's not bad. It's just like, you're not, it's good, but you're not hitting those notes. 
Yeah, well, and Selma's <laughs> not been able to sing very well for the past like twenty years. So yeah, he's, he's doing the thing where he has his finger in his ear. He's trying to hit the notes. <laughs> no such luck there, buddy. All right. Well, so Alice in Chains, Dirt, one of the most seminal grunge albums of. Let's face it. Grunge lasted from what ninety one to what ninety three or six or something. <laughs> I don't know. It didn't even last that long. It's like yeah, you're right. Probably like ninety four, ninety five. Then it was yeah. not cool, and they needed to be new metal or something. I think well, yeah, ninety five. People were still wearing flannel in ninety five. I still, still fucking wear flannel, flannel today, today. <laughs> Dick. Exactly. But for, not for that yeah. reason. I'm, I do too, Dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not. I'm saying for the reason of it being the grunge thing is still happening. Right, it, it was being fashionable, fashionable because let's yeah, face yeah, it, right. no one involved in this show has ever been fashionable. Even when we accidentally <laughs> no, no. kind of showed up wearing, I've been wearing the same shit. wardrobe for the past fifty years. <laughs> yeah, jeans and a t-shirt never goes out of style. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> all right, um, unless your t-shirt says Metallica on it. Mm. <laughs> We're, oh yeah. dun, 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 dun. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, it's, uh, damn, I have. Oh, All right. <laughs> hey, fuck you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Cheers. All right, so <laughs> grades. Uh, A plus. A plus. Mm-hmm. Easy. A plus. Easy, A plus. Easy, A plus. Mm. It's one of the best. Oh, uh oh. Uh, a plus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we know what's going to be number one this year. <laughs> well, he's tied. I don't know. Because at least yeah, tied. there are some good ones. Tied, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, we have. I mean, we give, have yeah, give me more. a break. Yeah. All right, I'm going to go A just to make sure that this one doesn't beat. <laughs> no, I mean, no, God no, damn no. it! That. Come on. I, that you is, know it's A plus. I. I you Eat know. my dick, bitch. Uh, <laughs> fine, <laughs> dick, bitch. Hey, there's this title for the show. There it is. Eat my dick, bitch. <laughs> the title of the show is Cookie Pussy. <laughs> cookie. Cookie Pussy. Eat my cookie eating, pussy, bitch. Eat my cookie pussy. Eat my dick. No, we can't. Oh, boy. I mean. That would be awesome, though. Remind me. How old are we? Twelve. Yeah. Maybe, like, two weeks ago, just change the name of it or something. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. After it's been shared around. (laughs) Oh, my God. Why is this called Eat My Cookie Pussy? (laughs) Are we going to go to jail for that? <laughs> oh my god. <sighs> no. So anyway. All right. Yeah. So well, been for, good uh, hanging out I'm with gonna, you. Yeah, I'm going to end this episode for Make sure uh, you make love to that subscribe button. <laughs> Pull your dick out and just, you know, have sex with it. Because that's what you do. Just somewhere in yes. time podcast. Yes. All right, for right. for right. Keith and for Joe and for Tim, this is Eric saying. Thank you. Good fucking night. Energy, energy, aggression, power. To sum it up, it's a vulgar display of power. Heavy metal speaks to the anger 
and despair of teenagers today the same way that the blues used to speak to the despair and anger of the South. Cutting up. Cutting it up big time. They are miserable slaves of Satan! Look out! Some country children,